Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, just gone 11 o'clock, I think, so we'll make a start. What I was going to do, and the reason I've got up nice and promptly, is if you've got your order service, I want to try and take us through the first page. It suddenly dawned on me, uh, A, that I hadn't shared about the verse, but also that there's a lot of information here that we could kind of look at as well. So, firstly, you're very welcome. Uh, if you're visiting, I wanted to ask, are there any Japanese people here today? Anybody from Japan? Okay. Akichiwa or whatever it is that is. Oh, well, nobody from Japan because I was going to congratulate them uh, on beating the Irish so comprehensively yesterday. Uh, since uh, I suppose sometimes when the Irish win, we also say that as well. So if you're visiting and if you're from Japan, you're especially welcome. If you're a member, or we call people who are not members and who come regularly, we call you associates. You may not have known that, but that's what we call you in terms of our leadership teams anyway. So visitors, members, and associates, you're very welcome. You'll see firstly that we're called Adelaide Road Presbyterian Church. Um, so that's because we're in Adelaide Road and we are a Presbyterian church under the authority of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. And I've asked our teacher friends here to say our name in Irish. So Oglish Presbyterach na Heron is our name in Irish. And uh, we like to have that there because we, we do want to know uh, to, to be an Irish church uh, that we serve the city centre. Our website is there, adelaidechurch.ie, um, and then the little um, Celtic cross. Uh, those are called the five W's, uh, worship, works, welcome, witness, and word. Um, and uh, that was the kind of foundation of the church and the rebuilding. Uh, so this was uh, a way back uh, 20 years ago or so that the church uh, leaders uh, set these five W's as the way that we wanted to organize the church. We wanted to be a welcoming church, a church that did works in the community, a church that was witnessing, worshipped, and of course uh, had the word uh, central. And then you have uh, the little bits as well. Uh, and then this idea of to stay and share Jesus making disciples. That is our mission statement. Um, and we probably should say that in some ways. But I suppose it originally was, again, foundationally, that we wanted to stay and share. We wanted to be a church here in the city center. Uh, we could have easily moved to the suburbs because most of uh, the folks who used to come to the church were living in the suburbs. Um, but we decided that we wanted to stay. And then we've added to share Jesus because he's our Lord and our Savior, making disciples. As the, as the Great Commission as we have in Matthew 28. So to, that's our mission statement. We want to be a witness to Jesus Christ here in the city center, and we want to do that through the five W's, and we want to make disciples of people. And then this verse, which I think is going to change next week, uh, because these verses are the memory verses that we have in our Sunday special and K2. And they're looking at superheroes for God. And uh, this one, uh, all of it has been the same verse. If you've noticed, uh, every uh, uh, week in September, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's a phenomenal thing, isn't it? And that's really where I wanted to get to, because the Lord looks at your heart. 
I'm looking at you outwardly. You're looking good, by the way. Um, uh, you're, you're responding. But what's going on in your heart? How have you come this morning? The Lord sees it, and he welcomes you. Uh, even if you feel it's not a good heart at the moment, he still welcomes you. And he wants to forgive us, and he wants to have a relationship with us. And we'll see that uh, as we go on as well. So that's a lovely verse, isn't it? What is God looking for? He's looking for people with a good heart, people who love him, and people who are committed to him. And then lastly, you'll see the names, telephone numbers, and email addresses of uh, different people there. Uh, there's a strange uh, name there, the Clerk of Session. Um, you may not know what that is, but that is the secretary of the elders, okay? And that's Tommy. And uh, so that's what we call him. He's the Clerk of Session. And then I've got Winnie, who will be praying later on. Stuart, who's our minister and treasurer. And, and last but definitely not least is Marcus. Is he here? Yeah, Marcus is our guardian and looks after the place uh, really well. So the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we're going to come and enter into the presence of God by singing our first hymn, which is Holy, Holy, Holy. And that hymn tells us that God is worthy of our praise, that he is glorious and separated and exalted from us. And in a sense, he cannot be known because he cannot be seen, but he has made himself known in creation and in the Trinity. So let's stand to worship. Holy, holy, holy. Well, let's talk to God in prayer. Uh, let's talk to him now. Father, it is a real privilege to be able to come this morning and talk to one whom the Bible describes as holy, 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 perfect in holiness, removed from us, transcendent, unknowable, and, Father, beyond us. And yet, Father, we are talking to you, and we believe that we are heard by you because of Jesus coming to us and opening the way and forgiving us our sin and welcoming us to come and to chat to you. So we come in the name of Jesus, we come by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we enter into the very presence of our glorious God. And Father, as we stand before you, as we gaze at your beauty, we see that you are kind, that you are gracious, that you are compassionate. We see that you made us and that you love us. We see that you care for us and that you want a relationship with us. And Father, we are aware that our own hearts when we look at them and take time to examine them, Father, we see that they're, they're conflicted, aren't they? Father, we are full of joy. Uh, we're full of uh, praise. Uh, we're full of uh, wonder at who you are and that we can actually know you through your word and through the Lord Jesus. That have good things have happened to us this week. We have enjoyed the, the wonder of sleep. We have uh, eaten well. We've had our prayers answered. Uh, we've had good things happen to us. We've had success in work. And Father, we've had lots of different experiences that you know 
and that we know, and we give you thanks in our hearts. And yet, Father, when you examine our heart, we see that so often we're afraid. So often we're full of anxious fears, that we're scared of people. We're scared of new situations. We're scared of even saying hello, because we're not sure how we will be received. We see that when we look in our hearts that we are, that there are things there that we are ashamed of, thoughts about other people, attitudes that we hold. And Father, we realize that we are both full of good things and bad things, and that you see them both, and that you know them. Father, we pray that as we lay those sins upon the Lord, that we might see that we are doing that to the Lord Jesus, that he has received them and been punished for them, and that therefore we are able to have them forgiven and taken away and being able to come into your presence. Father, so whatever we have in our hearts this morning, we pray that we might know that we're welcomed and that we're welcomed into the presence of a holy God. And we pray that we might listen to that God this morning, that we pray that we might listen carefully to what you say. Father, we're going to hear that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that we will understand the truth of that wholeheartedly and that it will encourage us to live well for you. So, Father, what a privilege it is that we are your people, that we have come into your holy presence, and that you welcome us with open arms. And so, Father, in all that we do today for Lorraine as she speaks to us, Ban as she tells us about her life, uh, Winnie as she prays for me as I preach, Father, that you would be with us in Sunday special and K2 and here, and that you will bless all who will teach your word today. So, Father, thank you for this time. And we pray to you now in, our, in the words that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, we um, want to um, invite Ban to come to the front. Ban said to me, it feels like an exam. But I don't want her to feel that it's an exam at all. So, Ban, you stand there. For some reason, I Good like... Good morning, to, everyone. I like to be on this side okay. um, for some reason. So, I, this is called this, uh, this Time Tomorrow, TTT. And I just really want you to get to know Ban um, a little bit better. Um, she's been coming to church. So, Ban, firstly, tell us something about your life. Okay, I was born here in Dublin, and I attended this church as a child with my family, my mom, Janan, and my dad, Zuhair, and my little brother, Vasan. And we lived here for around nine years and returned back to Iraq. And I always wanted to come back to Dublin. Okay. Yes. Great. You did well. And I did it. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, tell us a little bit more about your life in the sense of what will you be doing tomorrow? 
Well, I work at the Eye and Ear Hospital, so I have to wake up early in the morning to catch the bus and come here. Uh, well, we have theatre in the morning, so I have to see my patients, take them to theatre, and wait till one o'clock, which was my favourite time, the lunch break. <laughs> and afterwards, uh, we have clinics in the afternoon, and I finish around seven o'clock in the evening, which is quite good. And then I go immediately to bed and start another day. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And, Thank you. and lastly, what would you like us to pray for you? How can we get to, you know, how can we just encourage you in prayer? Well, I'm thankful to God that gave me this opportunity to come back to Ireland and get a job. Well, if you like to pray for my family, uh, for their health and safety and so they will not miss me that's it thank you great well done thank you okay well folks that is just a, a very very short snippet so you go man you got us you got a round of applause that's great i never get a round of applause yeah so there we go that is good okay I, do, you know, do you know, folks, um, I mean, you do not know Ban. You don't know her. You know a little bit more about her than you knew. And I want you to get to know her. I want you to invite her to your house. I want you to take time to get to know her and to just chat with her. I want you to pray for her. And I want you to do that for everybody in this church. Now, you can't do it for everybody. But do you see what we are? We are a family who care for one another. Ban has a fascinating story, fascinating story. And there's more to hear. And I just want us to encourage that we might know each other by name, pray for one another, and encourage one another in that way. So thank you very much, Ban. And we'll be doing it with other people. Next up will be Joan. Uh, Joan is coming to speak to us in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and she will tell her her story as well. So Joan has been coming to us. So let's look at God's Word, first of all, um, before Lorraine comes to speak to the boys and girls. So we're looking at John chapter 14. These are very uh, common words. They're often read at funerals. Um, I actually am not going to say anything about funerals at all today. Um, and uh, Try and put them in their context. So John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. It's uh, page 1,082. <clears throat> okay, so 1,082. Now, the key to this, by the way, folks, is chapter 13 and verse 33, where it says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. So the folks are, the disciples are shocked. Jesus is leaving. They don't know where he's going, and they don't know how to get to him in that way. That is what this is all about. And boys and girls, we're going to hear about Jesus. We're going to hear three things. Um, and if you remember those things, that would be good. And 
um, as well. And then Lorraine's going to come and talk to us. So let's hear what God, how Jesus answered the disciples' concerns in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know me and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen. And we thank God for his word. Um, I'll, I'll just let Lorraine come and do her children's talk then. Good morning. Uh, any other children like to come up to the <clears throat> Well, I started a new job recently. I'm now teaching preschool. I have a lot of fun at work because they actually pay me to draw pictures and read picture books and play with Play-Doh. And uh, we go outside and we have little tight cars and scooters and bikes. And I get to put in interesting things in them, not just petrol, but sometimes apple juice or milk. And it always seems to make them go really well. So the preschool is in Dundrum. And I know exactly how to get to Dundrum because I used to live there. And my mum still lives there. And Dundrum Town Centre is there. And I've got lots of friends who live in Dundrum. So I know exactly how to get there. But up until the end of August, the only way I had ever gone to Dundrum is in the car. And sometimes I'd be able to drive to work, but sometimes Richard would need the car for work, for his job. <clears throat> so I needed to find out how to get to Dundrum by public transport. And I knew that the Lewis went to Dundrum, but the Lewis doesn't go anywhere near our house. So how was I going to get to a Lewis stop? So I decided to look up Google Maps. Uh, it's very handy. You can put in where you want to go, where you live, even what time you want to get there, and it's going to tell you what time to leave your house and how to do it. So <clears throat> it showed me lots of different ways I could go, and I printed out one of them to give you an example. So <clears throat> it has a nice map with lots of colorful directions, and it has different ways 
Some of them are in gray, and some of them are in green and blue. And then it tells you all the directions for how to get there. So uh, here it tells me, leave your house at 6.52 in the morning, walk for three minutes to the bus stop. And I thought, uh-oh, where's that bus stop? And I thought, oh, I know where that is. It's just across the road from Allegra School. So that bit I can do. That's fine. Then I get on the number one bus at 6.55. <clears throat> and I keep going until I get to Westmoreland Street. And then I walk for one minute to the Trinity Lewis stop. And when I get there, I get on the green Lewis and go to Dundrum. So I thought, okay, that's fine. So the first day, I got there, I got the bus, no problem. I got to Westmoreland Street, no problem. And then I thought, oh, where's this Lewis stop? I can't find it. So I went for quite a long walk, and I was like, that's a lot more than one minute. Something's gone a bit wrong there. But I kept walking until I got to Dawson Street, and I got on the Lewis, and I got to Dundrum. And then I looked at my directions, and it says, when you get off the Lewis, you go around the corner and you go up the hill, and it's supposed to take me seven minutes walking. What Google Maps does not understand is that that is seven minutes uphill, and I had a very heavy backpack. So I was going, and I eventually got to the top, and I was like, I'm so tired, and hadn't even started work yet. So one day, uh, my friend Heather came to meet me at work, and we were going to go and have a cup of coffee in Dundrum. And I was very surprised, because when we started walking down the hill, she didn't go to the very bottom of the hill. She didn't go around the corner. She said, ah, I'm going to show you a shortcut. So she said, if you go into the Lewis station, there's a tunnel that goes under the Lewis tracks, and it cuts off the corner, and it's much faster. She said, follow me. I'm going to show you how to go. <clears throat> so... I didn't know that way, but Heather did. So I followed her, and we went under the Lewis tracks, and we were right across the road from the coffee shop. It was perfect. So now, instead of going around the corner and up that really, really long hill, I go under the Lewis tracks and go up a little bit of hill, and it's much easier. So I told you that I'm not very good at maps. Another time when I tried to use Google Maps, it didn't work out very well. I was trying to get my, to my friend Alwyn's house, and she lives in Artane. So I followed the directions, and I got so lost. I was driving around and around for about two hours, and I got so lost, I eventually gave up and went home. So then I said, okay, Alwyn, tell me, how do I get to your house? You know how to get there because you live there. How do I get there? So instead of telling me things like you walk for three minutes and you go on this road with a weird name that I've never heard of, she said, oh, I'll tell you what. When you're driving along the road, you'll see this bus shelter, and that's how you know to turn. And then when you see this big red church, you know you're really nearly there. So I followed Alwyn's directions, got there no problem, in like 15 minutes. It's like, why did I spend two hours driving around following Google Maps? That was crazy. So because Alwyn knew how to get to her own house, she was able to give me directions that really worked. So I kind of followed Alwyn, because I followed her directions, and I found the way very easily. And that's a little bit like <clears throat> what Jesus is talking about here in John 14. Jesus wants to tell his disciples how to get to God the Father in heaven. So he shows them a map to heaven. But it doesn't really look like a regular map. This is what it looks like. 
What does it say on the map? One way, follow Jesus. That's a really unusual map, isn't it? It doesn't have lots and lots of directions. It doesn't have a, a big picture of what it looks like. It just says, follow Jesus. So <coughs> people were always asking Jesus how to get to heaven. And they thought what they had to do was, like Google Maps, follow directions or follow rules to get there. But Jesus said, to get to heaven, you don't follow directions. You follow a person. You follow me. And because Jesus came from heaven, he knew exactly how to get there. I know. So all we have to, to get to Dundrum, Google Maps can show me lots of different ways to go. I can take uh, two buses, or I can take a Dart and a bus, or I can take a Dart and a Lewis, or I can take a bus and a Lewis. There are lots of different ways to go. But to get to heaven, to be with God the Father, there's only one way to go. And that is to follow Jesus and put our trust in him. So all we have to say to Jesus is, thank you that you loved me so much that you died for me. I'm sorry for trying to go my own way. That doesn't work. I want to follow you and go your way to get to God the Father in heaven. And that's the way to be friends with God. It's much easier than the disciples. And uh, we thank God for Google Maps, but we really thank God for Jesus and for how he shows us the way to heaven. So let's, boys and girls, you're free to go. And... Uh, yeah, crashes downstairs. Uh, all the children and young people from 4 to 14 are welcome to go upstairs to K2 as well. Well, before we sing again, folks, just quickly run through these announcements. Uh, you'll see that next week we're looking at John chapter 14, uh, the final part of it. Uh, that really explains what Jesus says in the, that he is the truth and also that he is the life. And we'll be looking at the way primarily this morning. Uh, prayer ministry is at uh, this little table here. If you have come with concerns that you would like to be prayed for, do meet the folks there. Uh, we have our welcome uh, barbecue uh, for the church family after the morning service. So that's for everybody. You're all invited. Um, and this is your invitation, and we'd love to see you. And there will be more than enough food, uh, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and the Welcome Committee are organizing that. They do need you to provide uh, some salads and tray bakes, and there's a, a list out on the porch. You can email Tommy as well, and the Welcome Committee are to meet after the service. I think get your cup of tea, and uh, they'll all meet downstairs uh, so that you can discuss what you're doing as well. And that is our Harvest Thanksgiving service, um, and the Reverend Andrew Gill will be here to preach at that service, and I will be in his churches in Black Rock and in Bray, and then I'll come back over before you eat all the food. Um, so International Cafe then meets again on Friday. Um, really just to say thank you for your prayers. Do keep praying. Uh, there were 14 different nationalities represented on Friday past, and there was over 30 students, I think, turned up as well. It was really packed um, and we just had enough food for that. So give thanks for that, but continue to pray and uh, make it known to those around. Um, yeah, Dublin Women's Convention, uh, number six there. Um, I was going to ask Karen to speak on that. Uh, they're looking at prayer uh, next Saturday. Uh, it's in Grosvenor Road Baptist. You have uh, uh, your air code there if you need to find directions to it. 
Um, and it's not easy to get to, but you can, you can get someone to show you the way if you could. Karen has just asked me to say that if you are, you need to register really today or tomorrow um, if you want to have lunch there. Lunch is provided uh, because they need to make final arrangements. So really, if you're thinking of going, uh, do uh, make that decision, uh, uh, you know, uh, complete it now, uh, today or tomorrow. And you'll see there as well in the number seven that we have uh, Aderval and Cynthia have again this year, we did this last year, put together these fantastic little treat, trick or treat bags. Uh, so there's, um, uh, you know, stories here. There are uh, honey and chocolate sweets in these. And there's a little uh, uh, leaflet. And there are more here. You can have a look at these later on. And there is a sheet out on the porch. And if you would like, say, five for your family or ten for your street, or if you have a, you're part of a group and you would like a lot more, then you can order these. And there is a, a small cost as well. Um, but I do think these are a fantastic thing. We gave away, how many did we give away last year? Two or three hundred? Two hundred and twenty. So let's see if we can do better this year. Um, and, and certainly they were well received. Um, and they're very, you know, there's a lovely uh, message about Jesus in here as well and how he is the light. So I want to encourage you to uh, get involved in this and uh, to, to really bring uh, the, the person of Jesus into Halloween uh, as best we can. I, I meant to look up the Evangelical Alliance are doing something. I think they're very concerned in, in a sort of general sense uh, that uh, Halloween has become so big in Ireland. And so we, the churches are getting together and they're thinking of doing something, I think, on the Saturday of that week. I'll, I'll have a look at that and come back to you with more information. But this is our way uh, through Aderval and Cynthia and others uh, of, of being light in the presence of Halloween. So that's, I th think, all the announcements, yes. I'm going to hand over to our worship group and we're just going to take a couple of songs uh, to worship the Lord. Bibles, if you have them there. There should be some in the seats at this passage, and we'll have a look at it together. So I just call this Love Prepares the Way because we've kind of kept this theme of love, but it's really Jesus prepares the way. And uh, who, who is that little girl? Greta Thunberg, isn't it? I, I was really, um, I was quite distressed myself when I saw her um, on the news speaking at the UN uh, conference. Um, um, uh, there's a big article about her in the Irish Times, which I haven't had time to read in the weekend review. But I mean, whether she did it deliberately or whether it was the pressure of the situation that got to her, her anger at Donald Trump and uh, his seeming indifference to this situation. Uh, but I put her up there because whatever it is that's going on in her heart, she is troubled. And she's troubled about the situation that we face in our, uh, in our world, really, in terms of climate change. <coughs> and if you bring it back to yourself, I, I wonder what troubles you. Um, I was trying to think a little bit, uh, I suppose, I wonder if any of you have childhood memories of being left alone by your parents, of losing them, 
Um, uh, I, David isn't here, but I still remember David getting lost in Belfast Zoo, and, uh, and he was scared stiff. He was really quite tra traumatized by it all. I do remember even when I was 18, I still remember it to this day. I can see the picture in my head now when my parents left me in Queen's University Belfast in the halls of residence, and then they drove back to Ballycastle, and I was there on my own in my little room with no one that I knew at all, not a single person that I knew then. I still feel it and the troubling nature of being left alone. I was reading a little bit this week about singleness um, in terms of a magazine that had come in, um, and it, it struck me, isn't it, that all of us, some, some, some of us struggle, of course, with singleness and are troubled by it, those of us who are married will undoubtedly have to face singleness again because of the death of our partner. And again, it's one of those things that troubles us. I don't know what's troubling you this morning, but that's what I want us to start thinking about. Because life throws all sorts of things at us, troubling things. And when you think about that, I want you to look at verse 1. I want you to read it to yourselves as I read it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That's the message from Jesus to us. So why are the disciples troubled? Well, as I've already said in verse 33 of chapter 13, uh, they're troubled because Jesus is leaving them. He's not going to be with them any longer physically. Uh, they cannot come to where he's going. And secondly, I think they're digesting the fact, if you go back to the end of chapter 13 there, you'll see that, that Jesus has just told them that the bravest, the most vocal member of their group of disciples will deny Jesus three times. And it appears that they're saying to themselves, what hope is there for us? Jesus sees it in their faces and he certainly understands their hearts, and he encourages and reassures them with some of the most amazing and comforting words in the whole of Scripture. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. It is his intention to encourage and reassure us whatever our troubles, whatever troubles we face, and we should not let our hearts be troubled. So firstly, well, that's it there, that little uh, verse there, do not let your hearts be troubled. So firstly, the disciples' security. Apologies for the picture. Um, Peter, by the way, and I do want us to stop and think about Peter. Peter has, as we know, we, if we leave this story here and you read through the rest of the story in, in, the, in the Gospels, you will know that that Peter does deny Jesus three times. Of course, he's deeply sorry for that. He repents. He cries with tears. And when you read chapter 21, he is wonderfully restored by Jesus. But what Jesus teaches us through Peter, I think, is the fact that Peter will make it to heaven. And that's the point that really struck me. That's what I'm trying to say in this, this little heading here. We will make it to heaven regardless of the pressures we face, regardless of our response to them. 
It's amazing, isn't it? Verse 36 of chapter 13, we did this a little bit last week. You cannot follow now, but you will follow later. You will follow later. In other words, Jesus says that where he is going, Peter will follow at some stage. And then speaking to the disciples, he says, I will come back. Do you see that in verse 3? I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. It's an amazing promise, isn't it? That is the disciple's security. Jesus is promising them that he will do what he said he would do, that he will come and bring them to be with him in heaven. And he's definitely talking about heaven. And I remember a very difficult time in my own life and in the course that I'm doing at the moment with Katie, we've had to read the whole of Philippians. And in Philippians, we have that verse, isn't it? He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And when I was in distress, I didn't see any hope. And yet God has brought me through to this point, and he's promising that he will bring me on through. So that's our security. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to see. So how does this help us? What lessons can be learned? Well, firstly, we need to learn that the lesson that Peter didn't learn at that time was that Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He is not surprised when we sin. He is not surprised when we are fearful. He is not surprised when we let him down. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't lose patience with us, and he always seeks ways to restore us when we fall. That is our security. And this being true, we should learn, of course, to listen more attentively to his instructions and warnings, and we should have asked for help. I think I said that last week. It would have been great if Peter had said, well, look, Lord, I don't recognize the man you're talking about, but I accept that I am what you say about myself, will you help me overcome that temptation when it comes? And thirdly, we should be quick to acknowledge our sin and ask for forgiveness because he knows our hearts and he doesn't abandon us. How often do we run away from God? How often does it take us a long time to come to terms with that? How persistent does he have to be in our consciences? How many times does he have to remind us in his word? And really what he's looking for is just to say sorry so that we can come back to him. Fourthly, God uses all our experiences for our good and for the good of others. That is what I'm learning in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 at the moment, that he comforts us with the comforts that others have experienced. And if you do have, if you just want to look at Luke 22 and verse 32, um, which is the same story, Um, told from Luke's perspective about Peter. Jesus says this, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that's Simon Peter, that your faith will not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So, he is absolutely not going to fail because Jesus is, is going to pray for him in the sense that give up completely And then it says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brother. So what he has experienced, he can pass on to others. So God uses even our failures and the lessons we learn in those difficulties. 
And lastly, Peter might have said, if I'm going to get there in the end, it doesn't matter if I sin. I'll just do what I like, and ultimately I'll get there. But ultimately, then, we don't take sin seriously enough, and we don't realize how, how the distance between us and, and God. If Peter had not repented of his sin, he, might, he would not have been able to be used in the same way. Or maybe we say afterwards, and this is, I think, what we do tend to do, is that even after we have been restored, we say, oh, what a wretched person I am. How useless I am, how ineffectual I am. Which means that we do not take grace seriously enough. We do not fully understand how forgiven we are. And both errors, by the way, lead us not to holiness. And we need to correct them both and know that in, in Jesus we have a secure relationship and that nothing separates us from us, and that that is what he wants to tell us. So that's why he says to us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. You are secure in your faith, and I will see that you reach your destination. So where is this? Downton Abbey, oh, I'm glad you admitted that, Anne. That's great. Yes, it is Downton Abbey. Went to see the movie Downton Abbey this week. Actually, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I'm admitting a lot of things at the moment, so yes, that's it. But it's a big house, isn't it? Big house, lots of room for the family, lots of room for guests, for servants, and all can be accommodated. And Jesus uses that metaphor, doesn't he, here? He uses the metaphor of a house to describe the destination he is going to and to which he will take us. Why a house? Well, because that's how he described the temple in chapter 2 in John's Gospel in verse 16. And it's a place, of course, we've often said the temple is where in the Old Testament people met God and they um, worshipped him there, as it were. They were able to come to God, sorry, and that they were able to meet God there. And in this metaphor, the house is obviously heaven, um, and I'm not taking time to explain that, just accepting the reality that when he talks about the house, he's talking about going to heaven. And he's going to, um, I think Lorraine explained that, by the way, extremely well, um, that where he came from, he's describing that place. And we're actually meant to let our imaginations work, aren't we, in accordance with the metaphor and the revelation of other scriptures. So this is going to be a grand big house. It's going to be a place of welcome. It's going to be a place where our needs are met. It's going to be place, a place where we are expected. And it's, a, it's just an amazing thought when we go in there. And we're told that Jesus is preparing a place for us. There's a lot of debate about this. I, I kind of did a lot of thinking about this. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I hope I'm not giving too much away, but the movie is based on the fact that the King of England is coming to Downton Abbey and the, the, the amazing preparations that were made for that person coming, that King coming in Downton Abbey. What will it be like for Jesus to make that for us? The commentaries are unsure, really, of what it is that Jesus is actually doing. And I'm not going to... Uh, you can ask me about what the commentary said, but whatever it is, I suppose what I wanted to communicate to you is, is that he's doing it for you, if you're his. That the place that he is preparing for you in heaven is tailored 
to your needs. He's expecting you. He is looking forward to welcoming you. He will be the perfect host. He will have everything that you need, and he will make sure that it is a place that you just think is the most incredible place in the world. Isn't that brilliant? That's what he's doing. I'm preparing a place. And ultimately, it's the Father's place. I wanted to show you this. Where is that? That's the Aris Anukteron. Anybody been? Yeah, some of you have been. I was, I was invited when I was in Fermoy. So, why did you go? Free tour. Wrong answer. You were invited. And you were invited too, William. But who did you see when you were there? You saw Mary Robinson. Well, if you were there now, you would see this man, of course. Because you go to see the president. If you go for the tour, you've missed the point. Okay. So thank you for that, Richard. That's great. So it may be not so easy here because sometimes we do want to just go for the tour, don't we? We just want to see what the big house is like. We want to see how it's kept. Particularly want to see the gardens, lots of us. But imagine that a colleague or a friend invites you around to their house. They welcome you, and you get, they give you the front door key. Perhaps you're a student, actually, and somebody welcomes you in. They give them your front door key, and you say, thanks, I'll have that room. And then you go about doing your own thing. That's not right, is it? You know it's not right. And when you look at verse 3, what does it say? I will come back and take you to go to heaven. No, to take you to be with me. Verse 6, no one comes to the Father's place. No, no one comes to the Father. Folks, going to heaven is about in relationship with Jesus. Being, if you want to go to heaven, you want to meet the Father. If you want to be in heaven, you want to be with Jesus. And so often, I don't think we do. I'm reading a book at the moment by Tim Chester called Enjoying God. And at the start of the second chapter, he asked this simple question. Do you like God? It's a good question, isn't it? We were stumped by that question, by the way. Your leaders were stumped. Do you like God? You might say, I respect God. I worship God. I seek to follow God. But do you like him? Do you like being in his presence? Do you like speaking with him? Do you like reading his word? Because that's what heaven is all about. Being in a perfect relationship for eternity. And that's what these disciples wanted, isn't it? And we do want it, actually. Sometimes we, our hearts are so sinful, we're not sure we really do, but we do. We really do. I'm sure we do. And Jesus says, look, it's not just about the destination. It's about meeting the person. And so he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I will come back. That's the second coming. And I will take you to be with me through the cross. 
and our destination is tailored personally for us, but it's all about meeting God in his place. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And then lastly, the Disciples Road. All roads lead to Croke Park. That's what we say when everybody, it's assumed that everybody wants to be there to watch an All-Ireland final, um, and uh, that is to take place. But as we've said today, Jesus actually says the opposite when getting to heaven. Um, I do hear so often that all roads lead to God, but that's not true. Um, Philip, by the way, in verse 8, wanted to go directly. Um, you see that? He says, well, don't, don't you, um, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Uh, someone else wanted to do that. His name was Moses in uh, Exodus 33. And he wasn't able to do it, of course, because if he saw God because of his sinfulness, he would have been destroyed. And so he was only able to glimpse the back of his glory. It is impossible to go directly to God because of his glory. And we actually sang that in our opening hymn, didn't we? Holy, 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 though the eye of sinful man, thy glory may not see. And so I suppose I just want us to see that there is only one road, and that road to heaven is through Jesus. And why is that? I think I might have another slide here, if I remember right. Yeah, firstly, that Jesus perfectly reveals God. I don't want to spend a long time on these folks, because it's the application that really counts. But John has already said this in, in the prologue in one eighteen, that God has not been seen, but Jesus makes him known. I think my favorite verse in all of this is Hebrews 1.3. This fantastic statement, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And this being true, Jesus clearly tells Philip, you have seen God. You have seen God. You've seen God the Father. And the implication of that is huge, isn't it? Because actually then God the Father has washed their feet. God the Father has shared the meal with them together. If you go on to verse 11, he talks, at least believe on the evidence of the miracle. So whenever they saw Jesus turn the water into wine, they saw God the Father working. When they saw in chapter 6 the feeding of the 5,000, they saw God the Father working. When they saw Lazarus raised from the dead in chapter 11, they said, you've seen the Father. He says, believe it. So when we read of Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, we have seen God the Father, his kindness, his compassion, his power, his love. We have no excuses. Jesus perfectly reveals God. Jesus also speaks God's words. He goes on to say that, doesn't he? Not only have you seen the Father, you've heard the Father, because I only speak the Father's words. We have this amazing Trinitarian union that the Jesus' words are the Father's words, um, and they lead us to eternal life, don't they? God brings life. We'll look at that further uh, later on. So he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus' mission in life is to reveal the Father and to show us the way to the Father. And he has promised those who believe that he will come back and bring us to the Father in heaven. And that is why we make so much of the Scriptures. They are God's word. They are God-breathed. So whenever you read these words, you are hearing from God, not directly in a sense from me, but from God. God, Jesus speaks. And lastly, 
Jesus encourages us to live. And I suppose I want us to leave with this thought, isn't it? What does he say in verses 12 to 14? He says two absolutely wonderful things. He says, firstly, you are to do the things I have been doing. In fact, you will do even greater things than these. And secondly, he says, you are to pray. And not only are you to pray, but you're to pray because you know that you will receive what you have asked for. Folks, there's been a lot written about what Jesus really meant. And I think the consensus of opinion is that he saw multiples of believers filled with the Holy Spirit praying to the Father while he was only one man. And that he saw lots of people coming to faith, which is proven true, and that the miracle of new birth is, is greater than the resurrection even of Lazarus. Because Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. Whereas whenever someone hears the gospel and are dead in their sins but become alive, then they are a new creation in Christ and they do not die in that sense again. That is what it means by greater works. I'm sure that that is the, the best way to think about that. So what is the implication for us? What is this about? It's really quite wonderful. Firstly, I think as Lorraine has said so very well, Jesus has shown us the way to get to heaven through the cross, resurrection, and ascension. By faith in him, we unite ourselves with him and will join him at that destination heaven. Described here as a big house with many rooms, Jesus is the way. Secondly, the true believer in Jesus is secure. We are going to heaven. Where is that now? Sorry. We are going to heaven. We will meet God face to face, and nothing can shatter that security. Thirdly, while we remain on earth, we are to do the works Jesus did. We are to serve as he washed the disciples' feet with acts of service. We are to love people, even our enemies. And folks, we are to pray. We are to ask God for help and success when we feel that we're a failure, when we feel that things are going well, when we're, things are working out and when we're in trouble. We are to just to talk to God as individuals, as a community, with the promise of being heard in the knowledge that God will take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And each of us will have the privilege of relationship with others both good and poor. Each of us will have to face life's difficulties, again, both good and distressing. And each of us will have our own struggles with sinful hearts and the joys and growth of progress. But we can be assured that Jesus is with us. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And folks, I just had a, a little idea of going through some things here. And, and I suppose these are quite negative ideas because I think the idea here is that the disciples are troubled, but it works in all of life. And I've seen these this week. Folks, if you should be in hospital and facing a serious illness and even death, Jesus says, do not be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When you see your children as parents making wrong decisions, when you see them walking away from the Lord, when you see them not doing what you want them to do, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. 
when your situation is at work is extremely difficult, when people oppose you and maybe even accuse you of doing wrong, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When you say that you are a believer in the city and you are completely out of step with society and you realize that it's tough to be a Christian, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When you are facing the fact that you may never be married for whatever reason and you are facing a life of singleness, which is good, and, and you, but you don't think it's good, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Folks, in whatever we put in here, this is what he says. Because he loves us, he is with us, and he has promised that he will take us to be with him in heaven. And he's using the events now to prepare our hearts, and he's using the time to prepare a place. That is our hope, and it is glorious. Amen. Well, let's worship God as we give our offering to him, and we're going to sing a song, Who You Say I Am. Let us pray. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer for others, we look around our country and our world, and it would be so easy to become despondent but then when we turn our eyes to you, we realize afresh that you have been our dwelling place and that out of chaos, you brought forth the world. We bring our chaotic world to you and ask that you will have mercy on us for the way we have destroyed that world. We see man's humanity to man here in our own island when we see the mistreatment of Kevin Lunny, the businessman, and pray for his recovery and for his family. We pray for those who are homeless and ask that landlords will treat their tenants fairly and not seek exorbitant rents. We particularly pray for Jonathan Mitchell this morning. We pray for your healing for him. And above all, we pray that he may experience your love and may know that and rest in that love. We pray for his wife, Tuva, and pray that you will give her all the comfort that she needs at this time. We pray for his parents, David and Dorothy, and for his brother, Matthew. And we pray for his grandmother, Doris, who so lovingly supports them in prayer. We thank you that Annie is recovering and that the pain which she experienced during the week has eased. We again pray that you will restore her to full health and strength. It's difficult to know how to pray about the Brexit situation, but we ask that you will overrule in the negotiations between the EU and the British government, remembering especially our Taoiseach and Tanishta as they endeavour to highlight the complexities of the north-south border situation. 
Again, we ask that you bring order out of chaos. We thank God for his protection for the Fatala family in Iraq and for Ban's father's work at the hospital and his commitment to you in his pastoring of the church in Basra for so many years. We pray your continued blessing on him and safety and for his whole family. Forgive us, Lord, when we quickly forget about the various international disasters. We continue to pray for the aftermath of the hurricane, which caused so much devastation in Malawi, Zimbabwe and Mozambique. We thank God for the €274,000 which was raised by the Presbyterian Church in Ireland to help provide clean water, food, shelters and medical aid. We pray for the Holy Spirit's wisdom for the workers of Christian Aid, Tearfront and the Presbyterian Church of Central Africa Presbyterian as they make the best possible use of this money. We particularly remember those who lost family members. As we gather all our prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, we remind ourselves of the confidence we have using the words of Psalm 90 in paraphrase form. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, we shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defence is sure. Amen. Thank you, Winnie. Well, folks, let's close our service by singing uh, this paraphrase of a psalm, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. Let's stand to think, sing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>